So you're not a fan of negotiation. And when you do, everything seems to get stuck around price. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk because today's guest is here to tell you how to improve your negotiation skills, diffuse price, and if that's not enough, she's going to give us some ideas to business owners about increasing your income as well. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jealous. Today's guest, Michelle Weinstein, is the founder of The Abundant Account, not just a business, a podcast too, of which I've been on twice now, uh, by the very same name, and helps accountants to grow their firms to seven figures and beyond by making selling the way I like it, fun. She's successfully trained accountants, CPAs, EAs, bookkeepers, and other financial professionals how to double their firm's revenue, and we're going to try and get her to up double your revenue as well, or at least take a shot at it. So it's glad, good to have you with us, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Good, good. Well, we'll see. We, I know you're 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 an expert in the accounting field. We're gonna stretch you out a little bit. See if you can't spread your wings a little bit. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. Well, uh, before accounting, yeah. I've worked in all different fields, but now specifically, I help accounting and tax firms create their sales processes, increase their firm, increase their prices, learn empathy, and, um, you know, learn to never negotiate on their price and why that's so important to them. But prior to that, I've worked with a lot of different people. Good, good. All right. So maybe you won't have to stretch those wings too far because I do. I want to talk about entrepreneurs and business owners and, and, uh, I, I know it's a massive question out of the gate, but I figured we'll just nibble at it as we go through. Okay. But so how, you're doubling the income of these accountants. Yeah. How, you know, is is there a, a I know for me, you know, give me two days. I'll tell you how to double sales because uh, I, I have a lot of process behaviors. But is there kind of one or two good big bang for the buck kind of ideas that would really start to increase that income for some of these small businesses? I think, you know, for any small business owner that might be listening, and I'm sure Rob, you'll probably agree with everything I'm saying. I think it comes down to figuring out, um, you know, if we had to nail it down to one or two things, the first thing is, well, what do you want to make? What revenue do you want? And I find so many times the accounting firm owners or business owners like, well, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. And it's like, if you don't know where you're going to go, then how do you even know what to price your services at? So it's like, hey, I want to go to LA. Okay. Well, if you don't know the exact address of where you're going, then the GPS is going to have a very hard time getting you there the most quick, efficient route. And if you ever use Waze or Maps, they always give you three options. They give you like the one with toll roads, they give you the non-toll road one, and they give you the fastest way. And I always teach business owners or firm owners, well, I'm only going to show you the fastest way to get to your goal. And I'll give you an example. There's a woman in my class right now, and she told me her goal is a million dollars in revenue. So that's one of the first major hurdles for most business owners is to know exactly where they want to go and when. And also understand what they've tried to do to increase their revenue or increase their fees or fix their sales problems, but realize that it hasn't worked. 
So I like to share it. Um, my boyfriend, he's in a 12-step program for uh, sugar and carb addicts, anonymous, kind of like a 12-step program for AA. And I think one of the first steps for an addict is to admit that they have a problem. Otherwise, you can't talk, get help. And a lot of firm owners have to admit, hey, you know what? I, I know there's a different way. I can't do it myself. There's got to be a better and different way because what I've tried isn't working. And actually, Rob, there's going to be three steps because that would be the second one is admitting like, hey, I need help, Rob. I've never learned sales. I didn't even know sales was important owning a business. And all of those efforts, all that revenue and all that effort goes to your first line on your P&L, which is sales or revenue. And if you don't have sales or revenue, then you really have a hobby or nonprofit, you know, like something that's not a legit business. And the sales or the revenue is the lifeline, the livelihood of your business. It's how you're going to pay rent, how you're going to pay for your inventory if you have inventory, how you're going to pay for high level employees and give them bonuses and pay them premiums so you can have great help. And it's, it's just mind boggling to see how many firm owners or even just business owners in general don't have that address to type into their GPS about, okay, here's how much revenue I want to generate. And then we work backwards to figure out their pricing from there because yeah, okay. it's very so, so, simple. Okay. So, so hang tight there that, you know, it's interesting. And I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, there might be some cynics listening saying, well, okay, I want to make $2 million. So here's my number, but I'm here to tell you that uh, first of all, it's a really smart point you're making, but second, it's not quite as obvious as you think. And, and I'm living proof because I'm, I'm a guy that, you know, came from the corporate world and, you know, had my Xerox salary after I sold for him. And then I, you know, became an entrepreneur and I thought I didn't, I hadn't met you yet. I thought just go out there and and just knock the knock the cover off the ball. That's how much I want to make. And I did. And it cost me because I was out of balance. In other words, um, there's a trade-off. Um, I, I maybe I'll come to you as and hire you as a consultant. I want to make three million dollars. I'm yeah. not gonna make that sitting on my couch. No. Um, that <laughs> there's gonna be a sacrifice. There's gonna be uh, things I'm gonna need to do. So I had to actually learn to pull back a little bit and say, uh, my number isn't quite as high as I thought it was, but I also have three small children. Uh, I have a, a wife and I have friends and I'm going to try and keep this in balance. So don't just right off the bat think, yeah, well, we can throw any number. Yeah, you probably could throw it at Michelle, but just understand, <laughs> you know, it's, you're going to have to work to get there. Yeah. And, and the woman in class right now, she said she wants a million dollar firm. And they said, okay, you're going to have to put million dollar effort into what mm -hmm. I'm teaching you. And yesterday she literally sent me this email. I have it in front of me. She, the, one of the things that we do in the class, because a lot of accountants have a piece of their business where they work with a lot of people that just have, um, you know, a W2, you have a job, you get a W2 and you have to pay your taxes and it's called, you know, 1040 very basic return uh, for the accountants. It's uh, more of a commodity type product because a lot of, you know, there's nothing too complex that they can do. There's not a lot they can really add. 
However, they could add a few different elements. So we do what's called a price increase letter to their current clientele, adding a few options, making it easier for the client. And it's basically explaining all of the nuances that's gone on in the firm and the direction. What's the GPS? The GPS for this woman is I want to have a $1 million firm, but I also want to work with less clients. I want to have more time at home. Like you just said, you have three kids. You want to spend time at home. So there's going to be a give and take. And for her, it's to get rid of about 50% of that lower base clientele so she can increase the amount of clients that will pay higher monthly fees, such as a business owner who would need maybe payroll services, bookkeeping services. And she wrote me back and she said, I love this class. You are a tough teacher, but the toughest teachers always have the class where you learn the most. And it's true. If, if you want to have a million dollar firm, you have a lot of work to do and a lot of things to change because the way she's growing, I don't think she'll ever get $2 million. It, it's just not humanly possible unless everything is outsourced overseas. And then she might have some what I call uh, not capacity, but delivery issues. If right. the work isn't done properly, if it's not of high value, similar to a product company, you know, if you have a product-based business and you're getting your manufacturing done in China versus products made in the USA, the price is very different on your landed costs. However, if you make one mistake on your inventory shipment from China, you have a massive expense on your hands. So sometimes, you know, there's also a give and take on your profitability side of your business, which you have to keep in mind also for your sales side, because it's not always only about the revenue. Right. If you have a million dollar firm and you're only netting 25,000, you're not paying yourself, then you have a lot of problems at hand. Right. It's, I want a million dollar firm and also I want to spend time with my three kids. I want to work three days a week and I want to take home 250,000 a year. Okay, now we have a very clear GPS. We know exactly where we're stopping along the way. We're very clear and from there, we can then price our services. Right. And I think that's one of the main things that I see so many business owners like, I don't know. Okay, well, until you know until you figure that part out, it will be really hard to map out your sales. And I'm like you, I want to work part time or, you know, just get balance in life. We want balance, balance in life. That's why I'm doing what I do. And I love helping the firm owners. And, you know, I love working with intelligent people. And that was my GPS. I said, I want to work with really smart, intelligent people that are geniuses, literally geniuses, CPAs, masters in tax, MBAs. I mean, you name it. These are very intelligent clients that I have. It's just they weren't taught a skill set that you right. and I have. Right. And yeah. if they have a structure and a step-by-step -step process, I know I can help them get to where their GPS is. So for all business owners, I would say step one, know where you want to go. What address are you going to put into your maps or your ways app? Um, Number two is, you know, make sure you know how much free time you want. What is the life you want to create? Because it's not only about the revenue. And then if you have clients, it's like 
some of them might have to go if you're going to change the trajectory of your of your business, of your firm. I mean, product-based businesses with inventory and uh, manufacturing is very different than a service-based business. Yeah. You know, in the, in the words of Al Pacino, she's giving you pearls here because uh, you are because uh, I because I like, um, you know, as you were sort of summarizing there, I was actually taking notes while you're talking. And I really loved because I'm, uh, you know, I do this podcast for everyone who's listening and me. because I pick up ideas and that, that you, you sort of ran through the stop sign almost, but that trimming off that lower tier. Uh, that's something that entrepreneurs, and I'm 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 speaking <laughs> as an entrepreneur, we tend to struggle with. We're, we we are uh, we tend to collect and and hold, uh, you know, clients, and 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 even me, I have certain functions that um, I do get compensated for, but they're not really a smart use of my time. And I don't really yeah. enjoy them all my, all that much. But I have this other instinct that says. Yeah, but it's business. And you know business, Rob. We don't turn away business. Uh, I I really need people to hear what I'm hearing, which is, um, love the GPS analogy, by the way, is that GPS, but also we have to not be so afraid to look at those um, that lower tier because I know, I'm assuming you're getting ready to finish the sentence with, oh, and coincidentally, they're probably taking more of your time then yeah. the upper tier is taking. And that's typically in the accounting and tax firm field. That's typically what happens because well, I'll just give you an example of a lower tier client. Um, maybe you have a job, you have a rental property, or maybe you have a stake in a business, and then you get to your CPA or accounting firm and you give them 75 to 80% of everything they need. Then the accounting firm owner says, hey, I don't have everything. They put your file away. They tell you to get them the other 20% of the items missing. A few months later, they pull out your file again. And now they've touched the file two times. Mm. Any time that that firm owner touches the file more than one time and gets the work done all at once, they're now in the negative. They're actually losing money on that client more often than not, because it's just not enough revenue to sustain the amount of back and forth emails, filling in the boxes with stuff where for an accounting or tax firm owner, it's better to do the preventative work. It's better for a business owner to see them every month or once a quarter to have a pulse. And then when it's time to record the history, which is the tax time and when we file our taxes, be it for your business or personal, it's already done. They've already touched your file a few times. It's not like they're just like, hey, you're back once a year. The once a year client, it's very hard unless they give 100% of everything all at once. And to be honest, even people like me, regular taxpayers, I hate tax time. I think that stuff stresses me out. I don't understand it. It looks like Japanese. I don't understand what any of the words mean, any of the boxes mean. I have no idea how they do any of their calculations. And it's just daunting. So if I feel that way, for most you know, people that live in the U.S., it's a, it's a very you know, annoying time of year. Yeah. It's yeah. extremely annoying. And I work with these experts, geniuses. 
And I still don't understand it. And I don't want to understand it. And I'm willing to pay a higher price so that they can spend more time on my type of business versus me having to even think about it. Right. Right. You know, and in case you're wondering, you know, how does a consultant who works with accountants not, you know, not be a subject matter on accounting? I actually, if I can come down the pole on that one, uh, because I work with a vast majority, a lot of crazy range of clients. I think I almost become less effective the more I know about their product because they're subject matter experts that they, 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 they pass their exam, their CPAs. Good. I'm not going to teach you how to be a CPA. I'm going to teach you how to be a how to run a business. And um, I'm trusting that you know how to, to handle a tax form or, uh, and so uh, sometimes it'll actually slow down a consultant or bog down a trainer when we start telling them, Oh, and by the way, when you're, you know, doing those taxes, try this idea. That's not what we're after. Uh, you also, yeah. um, by the way, kind of um, hit on a really interesting Lakin piece. Lakin was uh, one of the first time management authors that I ever read. And um, as old as that book is, Alan Lakin, I believe his name, uh, there's a few things in there. And one of them is handle each piece of paper only once. And, yeah. and although we don't have a whole lot of paper, what about your emails? How many times are you handling the same email? How many times are you doing some of these same functions more than once? It takes discipline, but uh, truly, I, I, I cue into really trying to hold something once, um, not look at it and go, I'll come back to it. Because while I did that, four more emails came in. Now, where are we? Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, you are a big, you're a big proponent of getting paid up front. I'm a huge proponent of that. And I would love to tell you why. I do. I want to hear why. Okay. Let, let's, let's do it. So, and I'm just going to share it with you from the accounting firm or tax purposes, but I'll also give you a personal experience. Okay. Because um, I'm going through, <laughs> I just bought a home and it, from the outside, it looks like it's perfect but on the inside it has like type two diabetes, cancer and all these problems. So I'm, I'm getting things fixed up. Okay. It was a remodel. That's basically a very expensive fixer upper to do it right. Since a lot of corners were cut, I just had a gutter guy out and he said, you know, the gutters on your home are basically what you should put on like a mobile home. <laughs> I said, awesome. I'm glad they put not the right stuff. Every single thing that's happened in this house. So, I have the gutter guy here and I had the AC guy. The AC guy said, okay, Michelle, I'm finished. Uh, what's your email? And I said, well, can I just pay you right now? Uh, well, I need to go to the office. I'll put together an invoice. I'll send it to you and then you can pay. Okay. I've literally, I've completely forgot about him. It was probably two or three days ago he was here. I got the email today to pay. I had to set up a Zelle account for him, pay him, make sure the invoice was right, file it, done. Great. It's so many steps. If you get paid up front, if he would have shown up, said, okay, Michelle, I'm about to do the work. I'm going to go in the attic. Here is my credit card reader. How would you like to pay today? I will also send you an invoice right here from my phone. I will do my work. I won't bother you. And when I'm complete, I will let you know when I'm done and I'll see you later. 
that would have been so much better. He wouldn't have wasted my time after the fact. I wouldn't have had to give him my email twice. I wouldn't have to wait two or three days to get an invoice. I completely forgot about him and that I owed that money. And then we would have been on our merry way. So with the accounting firm owners, the amount of firm owners, and if you're a business owner and you have a lot of accounts receivable, then I hope you're listening really close. Accounts receivable is basically like you being a bank for your clients. You're like, hey, I'll do work for free. I'll lend you my money and then hope that in the future you will pay me. And the problem is that it's just, especially with accounting firm owners and tax firm owners, if we're not paid up front, now you're a bill collector. You're chasing people for money. You have, I mean, there's so many firm owners I've worked with. They're like, Michelle, I've done some work and I don't even remember what I billed for and what I haven't. So they're so concerned and so caring, which I love, of taking care of the client that they forget to take care of themselves. And if you forget to take care of you, then you're going to be a burnt out, tired, exhausted business owner that a lot of people owe you money and then you're going to start losing track. And then soon you will want to go get a job or close down your business because you're so fed up, sick and tired of how it's going. All right. All right. Well, let me jump in. I, I, okay. I got it. I see the whiff them. I see what's in it for me as the business owner. And, uh, and I see, well, too. I see you, uh, you know, you like it. But does the average customer, is that is that in the best interest of the customer as well? If, um, if I, I mean, I have an accountant who's, you know, I'm, I'm probably being billed uh, at least quarterly for, you know, when you run a business, there's a, a lot of different reports, et cetera. Uh, so I tend to get billed quarterly, but I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want all the work done before I'm paying my accountant. Does that make I me weird? <laughs> no, I mean, you can have the work done, but a lot of accountants will file your taxes without even getting paid, where one step that a firm owner could do right. is just implement payment before filing anything for the IRS. Okay. Um, okay. But to be honest, for you as the business owner, if you got paid, if you paid them up front, they're going to be more excited to work on your file. There's oh, more, there's, there's more in it for them that way. And for you, it's a win-win for everybody, mm. but it, it removes the back and forth. It removes you wondering, you know, I, I, I won't battle you. On, yeah. I won't battle you too hard on this, but it, it also creates a bit of risk. So now you told a story. I'll tell a 20 second story. Okay. You know, we had a kitchen done. And yeah. um, these guys wanted their money. And, uh, you know, we had the, the when each milestone would be hit, but particularly that last check and they weren't done. Uh, they still had a punch list. They still had things to go. But really, you know, we, we've completed the project. The punch list is nothing. OK, we wrote him the check. Guess whose punch list isn't done? That's a month and a half ago. I mean, they're going to get to it. They're waiting for trim or something that they're making up right now. But um, I have no more recourse now because they've got their final check. I paid them before they were finished the project. Now what? I mean, in, in <laughs> that, like for construction, so I'm working, yeah. I'm dealing with the same thing with the foundation yeah. of the house. All right. I'm paying 25% week one, 25% week two. Right. But until 
I have the final inspection from the engineer, they're not getting the final payment. But also I chose the company that guarantees their work for the life of the home, which is why we went with that company. So there, you know, there, you have to really think about, well, it it just depends on the scenario for your accounting firm. I think it's a little bit different. And the reason I say that is it's better for everybody. Okay. If it's, if it's a scenario like with a remodel in a home or, you know, what we've gone through, I, I get that you want to wait until the job's done. And, you know, I always recommend to you, and I've told a few accountants this, some of them have had really big projects, 40, 50, $60,000 engagements. Well, if that's the case, get at least 60% to 70% paid up front. And at the end, you can collect the rest at the delivery of whatever it is the deliverable is. Okay. That's okay. fine. But the whole point is that so many firm owners, and I know business owners, are carrying such a high balance of receivables, you're not collecting interest on that money. You're right. losing track of your finances, your time, and everything else. You're just losing track. Right. And then you have to waste your time, your precious time that you don't have a lot of to go and figure out who owes you and who doesn't. Right. And then you have to spend time collecting on that money or hire a bill collecting agency to help you because some of it gets so old so quick. Okay. Okay. Just again, remember, I, I definitely see what's in it for the business. I'm just, yeah. I, you know, and, and look, we, we, I, I cherry picked an example that, that, that fits something for me. Um, so I think what we're landing on is it sure is smart. If you can do this, uh, if you're a business, it's definitely a smart move. And depending on your business, it might be a smart move for the client as well. I'm good. I'm okay totally. with that. So let's, yeah. let's slide over to, um, negotiation because you're not a big fan of that either <laughs> that's I, knowing you uh so, i am not for right. depending on your business i truly okay. believe that you know with whatever your business is once you have your price as chris voss always mentions you never split the difference you're negotiating and empathizing with the other person that you're talking to, but you're firm on whatever it is that you come in with. So if an accounting firm owner is going to offer, let's say you bookkeeping services and it's 3000 a month for the whole package, then it's 3000 a month for the whole package. It's not like, well, Hey, it, you know, um, I'll do it, but only if you charge me 2,500 a month now, Number one, you're letting your client have control over you from that moment forward, if you were to agree to that. Number two, you're actually losing credibility and you're devaluing yourself and your services. That's another problem. Right. Oh, well, I like it. Um, and I'll tell you again, bouncing back. This one, I'm not going to fight y'all. Good news. Okay. <laughs> I can uh, no. keep going. I know you can. Uh I, I, from my standpoint, you know, when I went into business and I think we all, you know, sort of suffer from that imposter syndrome just a little bit, you know, it was 30 years ago, but one of the smartest things I did, and nobody told me to do this, but it really helped was, uh, I, you would never catch me unaware or unready for the question of how much is this? 
And so I learned my prices and I didn't just write them out and learn them at different tiers. It depended what you want, but I didn't have to go, "Hmm, let me, let me take a look. I'm not sure. I not only learned them, I practiced saying them so that there wasn't, I didn't double clutch reaching for that number. Uh, because as a professional speaker, you know, when, when we do gigs, they tend to be a little bit more on the pricey side, but you know, it's two, it's, you see me for an hour, I'm there for two days basically. And I've spent 10 years working on the materials, et cetera. That's okay. I just, I found that the more comfortable I was with my numbers and, and, and believed in it. And, and, and I mean, you could put me on a lie detector. Hey, really does believe the needles aren't moving. Uh, that's an important part because you have to deliver this, not with a shaky voice or, or asking a question when somebody asks you how much you're paying. Yeah. It's, it's so crucial. And, and I think if you give in, the biggest thing is that you're saying, yeah, I'm on sale. I'm a discount. I'm like, you know, I think you have to choose which Avenue you're going to go. And for the firm owners, I say, do you want to compete with, like a retail chain like H&R Block or Liberty Tax? Or do you want to be the boutique firm? The firm that has, you know, the specialty. If you go to Nordstrom, and if you don't have that store, it's a store, um, I think mostly on the Midwest to West. Oh, no, we got plenty of Nordstroms out here. Okay. So if you go to Nordstrom and you get a personal shopper, they're not going to say, oh, well, we do it at a discount for you. There, there's no such thing. It's not a discount shop. That's not what they offer. That's not what they sell. Right. So unfortunately, if you were to negotiate on price, you have now, you know, devalued yourself and your right. services. Right. right. And it's completely up to you how you want to do that. But I do not recommend it. Okay. Is there a time for negotiation? I think yes depending on it, on what it is. Um, you know, it, uh, the only thing that comes to mind is always a car. But you, know, you can, I, you can take my business, test. Michelle. My business, I, I, I negotiate frequently. Uh, but but if, if I could, because I'm going to give you yeah. an example, it isn't a car. If somebody asks me to deliver a seminar, um, they're going to get a price, half day, full day, two day. What are we talking? Okay, bing, bang. I know that my prices. That's the price. And when, and, and like you, I'm almost a little bit irritated when they go, well, when you, when you do it for this, uh, because in my head, I'm thinking, well, why? Because you're asking. So when I say that in my business, I can negotiate, I don't mind people hearing this from me. It's give me a reason, which means not just because you're wearing a red jacket. Uh, well, what if we did five? Okay. Now you're giving me a reason. What if we did that and a year's right, right. It's different because now it's about more volume and that you're going to be more consistent doing five presentations over a year than Mm -hmm. one. It's a little different because they are seeing the value in you and they're saying, Hey, we have a budget for this. We want more of you, but we budgeted X amount of dollars for it. So I see that very different than, Hey, it's 4,000 for a day for me. Okay. Well, will you do it for 3,700? Right. Uh, no, <laughs> right. you know, but obviously you wouldn't just say no, you would have a, a, a certain way of presenting that. Um, yeah. Click. 
That's my yeah. Wife. No, it's not. I don't get that. I don't hang up. Go ahead. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's I, a little different. Yeah. And I don't call that negotiation. I call that they have a certain budget and they're trying to fit it in and they actually want to book more of you. Yeah, I hear you. And by the way, that's usually how I want to do it with my clients when they go, well, I want that. Well, let. how about we do one for each region? Now I can hit that number for you for each one. But but anyway, yeah, we're, we're yeah, I'm just giving you an example in my industry. But uh, one more question on this, and yeah. I, I promise I'll I'll move on. Uh, what That's about fine. what about taking? Um, you know, we all we're all looking for a win win. There, there it is. Now we've all you know hit on the fairy tale of win win, and I do call it a fairy tale because a lot of times. that's more challenging than it looks. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. And I can cherry pick an example when it isn't and cherry pick when it is. But one of the, one of the, there there are four quadrants in negotiation and one of them is a lose win. Okay. Where I will drop that number down to X amount. If you agree to do blank or if the next time we go full boat, um, and, you know, that's referred to as a lose win, which is I'm basically going to give you this one, but I get the next one. Uh, yeah, but it, you could even come out more in the positive mm-hmm. for that because you could mm-hmm. say, hey, I'll do it for this. And on the win, I want it for this. And then, you know, your profitability is actually in the positive. Then that's on that's your win. Right. Right. OK. And that's completely OK. OK. But it's in the way it's presented. Okay. That that's just my belief. Um, yeah, I've got you. I got you. Okay. So let's I just don't think you want to devalue yourself as a business owner if you truly believe in what you do. And if they're only looking for price, then you're probably not a good fit for that company presentation, whatever. It's just not the right fit for you. Yeah. And I would turn the other way really quick. Yeah, no, you're right. It, uh, it's certainly a warning sign. Uh, I wonder what else is coming. Uh, with, yeah, with you, exactly. Yeah. But that's the point. You know, there's so many of these warning signs like, okay, well, if they're asking about this on the front end, why are they contacting me anyway? Yeah. You know, our, my boyfriend, he was asked to do a couple keynote speak, you know, speaker things. And I think they went with someone else just because they were cheaper. Okay, no problem. But this is, what he will do for a keynote in his specialty, in his industry. Right. And it, you know, I, it, and I don't tell him it, but in your mind, the mindset has to be for you. I'm worth this. So take it or leave it, but you're not going to say it that way, but the confidence in what you exude in the communication has to be in that kind of tone. And yeah. I, and I love what Chris Voss talks about in all of his books is empathy. And if you can empathize with the other side, they're more likely to listen to you. And, you know, it could be like, wow, it sounds like, you know, you're being pushed in a corner. It yeah. sounds like you don't have a lot of uh, control right. over, you know, and now you're saying things that they might be thinking in their head and then they come around and they're like, oh, no, you're right. We can do it for that. I was. You know, because if you tell somebody, hey, it sounds like you don't have control over this situation or it sounds like I put you in a tough spot or it sounds like whatever you might be thinking or whatever you think they might be thinking, I should say, that person feels heard and understood. Like, yeah, 
That's kind of exactly how I feel. And then they're going to go to bat for you if they really want you. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, uh, you know, I can't disagree with what you're saying. And and what's challenging about case. this yeah. for everyone who's listening is it, it really depends on your business and totally. it depends on what you're doing. And, you know, so, so like I said, you know, I, I came back as a professional speaker and sort of said, well, here in my industry, but that's not necessarily the way an accountant would do it or, 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 or people in other industries. And I hear you. Uh, I think we got some great ideas out of that. And one of the best ones is just the warning signs, because um, you know where we can meet, where all of us meet on an island and go, oh yeah, which is when we use the word warning signs, when you hear Michelle use the word warning signs, uh, just remember that they come in different ways. Uh, price is clearly probably the one of the most obvious, but whenever you've had a, a difficult client and um, you know for whatever reason, I've never met a, an entrepreneur, business owner, anyone who didn't say, you know what? I, I knew it within the first five minutes of the conversation. I was just really wanted the business yeah, and, and I got the business, but it, but it never surprises them. Yeah. It never surprises them. And I call them red flags, Yeah, warning signs, red flags, whatever it is. Yeah. If you smell one, I just recommend you run the other way. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll just regret it later on. Yeah. And like you said, I've never seen anyone not yeah. regret it. Yeah. So yeah. here's where we uh, trust our instincts. All right. We, we seem to be kind of uh, rolling around in objections here. So just got a couple more questions, but let's talk, let's talk about objections. You, you know, there are different people have different approaches, but in speaking to you, you've got a way that you like to use that, that diffuses the objection. So what's that yeah. sound like? I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, empathizing. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I love to use is the emotional wheel. If you go to Google, you can look it up. There's plenty of them. And the more you can empathize with someone with the emotional wheel and sharing how you think they feel or what you think they're thinking, you're like, hey, I, you know, I get it. I I always say too, like putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Well, that's the definition so of empathy. Of, yeah. yeah. So when you think about an objection, think about when you had an objection, what did that look like? What did that sound like? Because that's the exact thing. Like here's a couple of ways. Um, if you read never split the difference that you can use, you know, um, if someone's trying to object on price with you, you could say, well, you know, it sounds like you have a vision on how you want this to play out. And you're not only saying that you're listening and you hear them, but you're putting it back on them. Or it sounds like there's some things that are top of mind that you really want to have addressed before we move forward. And yeah. using that kind of upward inflection for them to keep talking, because having them keep talking is really, really important. Um, so that is, I would say the number one thing to think about when you have an objection, or I'm sure a lot of people have heard, you know, feel felt found. So that's great too. You know, I completely get Rob, how you feel, you know, a <laughs> yeah. lot of the other people who I've had speaking engagements with have said the exact same thing to me. 
And you know what I found is that a lot of them had a vision for what they wanted and what they had in mind. And it seems like you have a vision on how you want this played out. I'd love to hear what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well done. And, um, you know, it, it's tried and true. Uh, that fuel felt found has been with me in, in my pocket for 40 years. But uh, just in case you're thinking, well, would the client know? I mean, that's a, that's an older tactic. I actually get whenever I introduce it to a room full of salespeople, I would say 90 percent of them have not heard it and don't use it. So uh, yeah. that's a wonderful way of showing empathy. Um, and you know, another really great way of showing empathy and you're, and you're, you're talking to it. I just want to put the word out there, which is the word clarify. Um, in other words, stop. Um, you notice there was a feel, there was a felt, and then there was a found we answering an objection and just telling somebody what you found or your reason in a sense makes the other person feel like you're telling them they're wrong. Exactly. Now, yeah, you just told Versus me about empathy. That's feel. not empathy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah versus having them feel heard and understood. And when we empathize, that's all they're doing is they're feeling heard, they're feeling understood instead of just being talked down to or like, no, that's not how it is. Or <laughs> that's what it's, yeah. very, yeah, very argumentative or right. combative, I've heard from a lot. You know, right. and a lot of the firm owners I work with have said the same exact thing. Like, my blood pressure goes up, Michelle. And I'm like, I get it because you're furious. You just spent an hour with a client and now they're telling you it, you're too expensive. You know, it's like, that's just a request for more information, but right. you don't have to get defensive, but that's the automatic response. Right. Kind of like when kids go to the doctor, I know you got three of them and they have the little triangle thing that they hit on your knee or shin and your leg pops up. It's just yeah. the leg popping up in front of you. That's just their that's automatic response. Yeah, that's a good analogy. For me, um, I, you know, I, I do think there's, you know, there, we're, we're talking about sort of a proactive move. I think one of the, just remember yeah. all you salespeople out there that the, re, you know, that, that the way of getting this out of there beforehand, because we're, let me get my words right, we're reacting right now. A proactive move is, yeah. How badly does this client need these services? You know, if having an accountant, all I need you to do is look over my W-2 and, and check a couple boxes and electronically file for me. Yeah, price is probably going to be an important criteria. If I run a business as I do, and I have been fined as I have been uh, with the less expensive accountant that I first went into business with, um, if the, how big a decision is this? And for most of us out there, um, and I don't want to, I really don't want to stay with the accountant example too long, but for just about anything, if your services would be nice to have, be prepared to negotiate, be prepared to be uh, bringing out the big guns for a price objection. But if you get in there and battle that problem and let them tell you and, and let them look at the ramifications of, of being audited as an example and yeah, how much that interest, would cost. The penalties, the interest, right. the, you right. name it. I mean, there's so many extra costs and consequences that could come into play. Exactly. Exactly. That, yeah. No one ever thinks about that stuff, but we're going and, to get them to think about it. Yeah. And one of the other things, and I don't know, uh, Rob, if you ever use this, but I've learned it from Chris boss. So he gets all the credit from it. Cause I've never You're dropping that it. name a lot. I know. Well, I love his book and he's a genius too. But one of the things he asked, you know, especially when objections come up is like, you know, 
it could go, you have a lot of resources for sales speakers, like for if you got the objection, you know, at your disposal. Why me? And putting it on them to share why they want you, which also has them go into the thought process of why they would want to invest in you, why they would want you to speak five times throughout the year versus one, why they would invest 30 or 40,000 versus just one speaking engagement for the year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last question for you. Besides Chris Voss, <laughs> give me a mentor um, uh, or two. A mentor or two. Okay. Well, you. for the last probably six months or nine months, uh, his name is Rob Jolis. Oh, wow. I met him through his son because of my boyfriend's the stand-up comedian opening for him. So I'm grateful that I have met you. Thank you. Um, and another one, you know, that I loved is the book um, Influence. Have you read that? I'm sure. Give me the title that. again. It's called Influence. No. No, no, no. Um, I think it's, uh, let me give you, I'll send you the link to it, but, no. okay. um, the author is Robert Cal Cialdini. Yeah. Psychologist and talks about a lot of what we've talked about today, but it's the science and the practice of, you know, why actually increasing prices has more people buy versus yeah. what we typically think discounting would get more people to buy. Yeah. It is an awesome book with great stories. Right. I yeah. think it's had a very, a lot of renditions, you know, cause I think it was written a long time ago. Um, and I, it does say over 5 million copies sold. So, well, that tells you something. Okay. That, that it's one a really good book. I think you would actually really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't want to disappoint you, but I, I'm a I'm a pretty good reader. I read a I lot know. of stuff. I really like Christian books, by the way. But in the business world, I read them. Strangely enough, I don't read many sales books, and well, I don't. You've written so many. So now, <laughs> the problem is they get into your head. And meaning, uh, I I read it. I go, I can't say it better than that. I mean that I I I became become fixated on it. Uh, so. I tend to just kind of lean on my interviews, my coaching, my seminars, but um, it's, it always disappoints people when they go, I've read this sales book, read that sales book and go, no, you can give me almost any other business book. I'm reading them, but I, I, I'll get kind of fixated on it. So I don't look at them as much. The one book I did read that I think is um, other than, than perhaps mine, um, <laughs> I, you know, I look, I'm a Tom Hopkins fan. Um, I'm a Brian Tracy fan. But Neil Rackham really opened up a completely avenue, different avenue to me. And that's what I read as a Xerox employee. And that's oh, what wow. I learned the, the spin selling with Xerox. That's what I became D squared certified in and trained other trainers for years. And that British scientist, Neil Rackham, really, to me, was the first one that where I went, oh, wow, I've got this all wrong. And he's got science behind it. Uh, it's not the easiest read. And no offense, Neil, it, it's you're a scientist, sir. Uh, but it's worth reading. How's that? Uh, yeah. But anyway, that's that's there. I, I, I do. I do read a little bit on the sales side, but I was teaching it. So I needed to know it inside now. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Where can listeners find you? Uh, I for. Um... You know, if you're a regular business owner, not a specific accounting or tax firm owner, 
then you can find me at thepitchqueen.com. I go by the pitch queen on all my social media, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, but if you are an accounting or tax firm owner, then make sure to go to chargehigherfees.com. You can watch my mm -hmm. webinar and learn how to implement this into your firm. There you go. Well done. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure. A pleasure having you on. Michelle, this is our third conversation, by the way, folks, because I've been on Michelle's twice now. And um, um, it just shows you, I truly, uh, first of all, love talking to Michelle, uh, but also I love talking about selling. I don't care whether I'm a hosting or schmosting, doesn't matter to me. But it's really nice turning the tables on you a little bit, putting I you in know. the guest chair and uh, and having you on. So really, thank you so much for being on. I'm grateful. Thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Good. Well, sales selling is fun. You said it. It's on your website. I saw it there. Selling is fun if you can learn it. <laughs> That's and anyone right. can learn it. If I can teach an accounting or tax firm owner, any business owner can learn sales. You just need a step-by-step -step process. Well said. And we will do it again as well as we can next time, everybody. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com. <laughs>